Psalm 42, Part 1 of Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Expositions on the Book of Psalms, Volume 2, by St. Augustine of Hippo. Psalm 42, Part 1. Long since has our spirit been longing to rejoice with you in God's word, and to salute you in him, who is our help and our salvation. Hear therefore by us that which the Lord gives, and rejoice with us in him, in his word, his truth, and his love. For we have undertaken the exposition of a psalm corresponding to your own longings, on which we propose to speak to you. For the psalm itself begins with a certain pious longing, and he who sings so says, Verse 1, like as the heart desireth the water brooks, so longeth my soul after thee, O God. Who is it then that saith this? It is ourselves, if we be but willing. And why ask, who is it other than thyself, when it is in thy power to be the thing which thou art asking about? It is not, however, one individual, but it is one body, but Christ's body is the church. Such longing, indeed, is not found in all who enter the church. Let all, however, who have tasted the sweetness of the Lord, and who own in Christ that for which they have a relish, think that they are not the only ones, but that there are such seeds scattered throughout the field of the Lord, this whole earth, and that there is a certain Christian unity whose voice thus speaks, like as the heart desireth the water brooks, so longeth my soul after thee, O God. And indeed, it is not ill understood as the cry of those who being as yet catechumens, are hastening to the grace of the holy font, on which account too this psalm is ordinarily chanted on those occasions, that they may long for the fountain of remission of sins, even as the heart for the water brooks. Let this be allowed, and this meaning retain its place in the church, a place both truthful and sanctioned by usage. Nevertheless, it appears to me, my brethren, that such a longing is not fully satisfied even in the faithful in baptism, but that haply, if they know where they are sojourning, and whither they have to remove from hence, their longing is kindled in even greater intensity. The title then of it is, On the End, A Psalm for Understanding for the Sons of Korah. We have met with the Sons of Korah in other titles of psalms, and remember to have discussed and stated already the meaning of this name. Yet we must even now take notice of this title in such a way, that what we have said already should be no prejudice against our saying it again for all were not present in every place where we said it. Now, Korah may have been, as indeed he was, a certain definite person, and have had sons who might be called the sons of Korah. Let us, however, search for the secret of which this is the sacrament, that this name may bring to light the mystery with which it is pregnant. For there is some great mystery in the matter that the name of sons of Korah is given to Christians. Why sons of Korah? They are sons of the bridegroom, sons of Christ. Why then does Korah stand for Christ? Because Korah is equivalent to Calvaria. This is still more abstruse. I was asking why Korah stands for Christ. Still, more anxious am I to inquire why Christ is thought to be connected with Calvaria. Why does it not at once occur to you that he was crucified on Calvary? Unquestionably it does. Therefore, the sons of the bridegroom, the sons of his passion, the sons redeemed by his blood, the sons of his cross, who bear on their forehead that which his enemies erected on Calvary, are called the sons of Korah. To them is this psalm sung, as a psalm for understanding. Let then our understanding be roused, and if the psalm be sung to us, let us follow it with our understanding. 
What is it we are to understand? For what understanding is this psalm sung? I venture to speak. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things which are made. Come, my brethren, catch my eagerness. Share with me in this my longing. Let us both love. Let us both be inflamed with this thirst. Let us both hasten to the well of understanding. Let us then long for it as the heart for the brook. Having taken that fountain, which those yet to be baptized long for, in order to the remission of their sins, and having been already baptized, let us long for that fountain, whereof another scripture saith, For with thee is the fountain of life. For he is both the fountain and the light, for it is in thy light that we shall see light. If he is both the fountain and the light, with good reason is he the understanding also, because he both filleth the soul that thirsteth for knowledge, and every one who hath understanding is enlightened by a certain light, not a corporal, not a carnal one, not an outward, but an inward light. There is then, brethren, a certain light within, not possessed by those who understand not. Whence, moreover, those who long after this fountain of life, and who draw somewhat from it, are addressed by the apostle beseeching them, and saying, That ye walk not as the Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God, through the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart. If then they are darkened in their understanding, i.e., are darkened because they understand not, therefore those who understand are enlightened. Run to the brooks, long after the water brooks, with God is the fountain of life, a fountain that shall never be dried up. In his light is a light that shall never be darkened. Long thou for this light, for a certain fountain, a certain light, such as thy bodily eyes know not, a light to see which the inward eye must be prepared, a fountain, to drink of which the inward thirst is to be kindled. Run to the fountain, long for the fountain, but do it not any how, be not satisfied with running like any ordinary animal, run thou like the heart. What is meant by, like the heart? Let there be no sloth in thy running, run with all thy might, long for the fountain with all thy might, for we find in the heart an emblem of swiftness. But perhaps scripture meant us to consider in the stag, not this point only, but another also. Hear what else there is in the heart. It destroys serpents, and after the killing of serpents, it is inflamed with thirst yet more violent. Having destroyed serpents, it runs to the water brooks, with thirst more keen than before. The serpents are thy vices, destroy the serpents of iniquity. Then wilt thou long more for the fountain of truth. Perhaps avarice whispers in thine ears some dark counsel, hisses against the word of God, hisses against the commandment of God. And since it is said to thee, Disregard this or that thing, if thou prefer working iniquity to despising some temporal good, thou choosest to be bitten by a serpent rather than destroy it. Whilst, therefore, thou art yet indulgent to thy vice, thy covetousness, or thy appetite, when am I to find in thee a longing such as this, that might make thee run to the water brooks? When art thou to desire the fountain of wisdom, whilst thou art yet laboring in the venom of iniquity? Destroy in thyself whatever is contrary to the truth, and when thou hast seen thyself to be comparatively free from irrational passions, be not contented to stay where thou art, as if there were nothing farther for thee to long for. For there is yet somewhat to which thou mayest raise thyself, even if thou hast already achieved that triumph within, that there is no longer within thee a foe to hinder and to thwart thee. For perhaps if thou art the heart, thou wilt already say to me, God knows that I am no longer covetous. 
that I no longer set my heart on the property of any man, that I am not inflamed by the passion of unlawful love, that I do not pine away with hatred or ill-will against any man, and as to all other things of this description, thou wilt say, I am free from them, and perhaps thou wouldest fain know wherein thou mayst find pleasure. Long for the water brooks. God hath wherewith to refresh thee, and to satisfy thee when thou comest to him, a thirst, like the swift-footed heart after the destruction of the serpents. There is another point to be observed in the heart. It is reported of stags, and it has been seen by some persons, for anything of the kind would never be recorded had it not been seen before. It is reported of them, then I repeat, that, when they either wander in the herds, or when they are swimming to reach some other part of the earth, that they support the burdens of their heads on each other, in such a manner as that one takes the lead and the others follow, resting their heads upon him, as again, others who follow do upon them, and others in succession to the very end of the herd. But the one who took the lead in bearing the burden of their heads, when tired, returns to the rear, and rests himself after his fatigue by supporting his head, just as did the others. By thus supporting what is burdensome, each in turn, they both accomplish their journey, and do not abandon each other. Are they not a kind of hearts that the apostle addresses, saying, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Such a heart, then, being yet in a state of faith only, not yet in sight of what he believes, wishing for the understanding of that which he loves, has to bear with adversaries, who are not hearts, who have their understanding darkened, in a state of spiritual darkness, blinded by the greediness of their vices, who mock the man who believes, and cannot shew them that in which he believes, saying, Where is thy God? Let us hear then how that heart meets these words, that we ourselves may do so also, if we can. He first expressed his thirst, like as the heart, he says, longs for the water brooks, so longs my soul after thee, O God. What if it is for the sake of bathing there, that the heart longs for the water brooks? Do we not know then, whether it is for the sake of bathing, or of drinking there, that he longs for them? Hear what follows, and do not ask. Verse 2. My soul is a thirst for the living God. What I am saying, that as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so longs my soul after thee, O God, means this, my soul is a thirst for the living God. For what is it a thirst? When shall I come and appear before God? This it is for which I am a thirst, to come and appear before him. I am a thirst in my pilgrimage, in my running. I shall be filled on my arrival. But when shall I come? And this which is soon in the sight of God, is late to our longing. When shall I come and appear before God? This too proceeds from that longing, of which in another place comes that cry, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Wherefore so, that I may behold, he saith, the beauty of the Lord. When shall I come and appear before the Lord? Meanwhile, whilst I am training myself, whilst I am on my course, on my way, before I come and appear, Verse 3. My tears have been my meat day and night, while they daily say to me, Where is thy God? My tears, he saith, have been not bitterness, but my bread. Those very tears were sweet unto me, being a thirst for that fountain, inasmuch as I was not yet able to drink of it, I have eagerly made my tears my meat. For he said not, My tears became my drink, lest he should seem to have longed for them, as for the water brooks, but, still retaining that thirst, wherewith I burn, and by which I am hurried away toward the water brooks, my tears became my meat, whilst I am not yet there. And assuredly he does but the more thirst for the water brooks, from making his tears his meat. 
for it is by day and night both that my tears have been my bread that food which is called bread men eat in the daytime while at night they sleep but the bread of tears is eaten day and night whether by day and night you understand always or take day for the prosperity of this world night on the other hand for the adversity of this life whether then my lot is cast in the prosperity or in the adversity of this world i still pour forth the tears that flow from my longing i cease not from the craving of my longings and when well off in this world it is still but ill with me until i appear before god why then dost thou bid me rejoice in the day as it were if any prosperity of this life smiles upon me is it not deceptive is it not frail and fading and mortal is it not fugitive temporary transitory has it not more deceit in it than delight why then should not my tears become my bread even in it since even when the prosperity of the world is beaming around us so long as we are in the body we are absent from the lord and they daily say unto me where is thy god for if a pagan should say this to me i cannot retort it upon him saying where is thine inasmuch as he points with his finger to some stone and says lo there is my god when i have laughed at the stone and he who pointed to it has been put to the blush he raises his eyes from the stone looks up to heaven and perhaps says pointing his finger to the sun behold there is my god where i pray is your god he has found something to point out to my eyes of the flesh whereas i on my part not that i have not a god to shew him cannot shew him what he has no eyes to see for he indeed could point out to my bodily eyes his god the sun but what eyes hath he to which i might point out the creator of the sun however day by day hearing where is thy god and having been feeding on my tears from day to day i have been meditating night and day on what i have heard where is thy god nay i have myself also sought to find my god that if i could i might not believe only but might see also somewhat for i see the things which my god hath made but my god himself who made these things i do not see but since i am longing like the heart for the water brooks and it is with him that the fountain of life is and the psalm is written for the sons of korah for understanding and since the invisible things of god are seen by being understood by the things made what shall i do that i may find my god i will consider the earth the earth was made great is the beauty of the earth but it hath the creator great the marvels in the seeds and things that generate them but they have all of them a maker i point to the greatness of the circling sea i am struck with astonishment and with wonder i look for the maker i raise my eyes to heaven and to the beauty of the stars i behold with wonder the brightness of the sun sufficing to the bringing forth of the day the moon cheering the darkness of the night wondrous indeed are these things worthy of our praise nay rather of our awe for these things are no longer terrestrial but they are heavenly yet is not my thirst stayed even there i admire these and i praise these i thirst for him who made them i turn my thoughts to myself and i inquire who i am myself i who am carrying on this inquiry i find myself to have body and soul the one for me to govern the other for me to be governed by i find the body serves the soul commands i discern the soul to be something better than the body i see that self that carries on the investigation into such things as these to be not a body but spirit and yet i know that all these things which i surveyed i surveyed through the medium of the body i was praising the earth it was by the eyes i had the knowledge of it i was praising the sea it was by the eyes i had knowledge of it i was praising the heavens the stars the sun the moon it was by the eyes i came to know them the eyes are members of the body they are the windows of the mind the being who sees by them is within 
when he is absent, being called away by some thought or other, their opening avails not. It is not by these eyes that my God, who made these things, is to be looked for. Possibly there may be something that the mind can see by itself, whether it be something that I cannot discern by the eyes, as I do light and colors, by the ears as music and sound, by the nostrils as fragrance and odors, by the tongue and palate like flavors, nor by every part of the body throughout, as I do hardness and softness, heat and cold, roughness and smoothness, or whether it be something that I behold with the inward eye. What is meant by behold with the inward eye? It is something which is neither color, nor sound, nor smell, nor flavor, heat nor cold, hardness nor softness. Let me be told else, what color wisdom hath? When we think of righteousness and joy inwardly, in that thought, in its beauty, what sound reaches our ears? What of the nature of vapor rises to the nostrils? What is carried to the lips? What is there that we can handle and that so gives us pleasure? It is within, and at the same time it is beautiful. It is praised, and at the same time it is seen. And, even if these eyes are in darkness, the mind rejoices in its light. What was that which Tobias saw when, blind himself, he gave advice for the regulation of his life to his son, who had the use of his eyes? There is then something which the mind, the Lord, the governor, the inhabitant of the body, sees by itself, discerns not by the bodily eyes, not by the ear, or nostrils, or palate, or by the touch of the body, but by itself, and in any case, what it discerns by itself is more excellent than what is discerned through its servant. Assuredly it is, for by itself it discerns itself, and in order to know itself the mind beholds itself, and yet does not require the help of the bodily eyes in order to behold itself. Indeed, it rather abstracts itself from all the bodily senses, as interpreting and confounding it with their din, in order to see itself in itself, to know itself as mirrored in itself. But is God, then, anything of the same nature as the soul? God cannot, it is true, be seen except by the mind, but yet he cannot be seen as the mind can, for the mind of ours seeks to find something that is God, about which they who say, Where is thy God, may not insult us. It seeks to find a truth not subject to change, a substance not capable of failing. The mind itself is not of this nature. It is capable of progress and of decay, of knowledge and of ignorance, of remembering or forgetting. At one moment it wishes for this thing, at another it does not wish for it. That mutability is not incident to God. Were I to say, God is susceptible of change, they will insult over me who say, Where is thy God? Having therefore sought to find my God in visible and corporal things, and found him not, having sought to find his substance in myself, as if he were of the same nature as myself, and found him not, I perceive my God to be something higher than my soul, therefore that I might attain unto him. Verse 4. I thought on these things, and poured out my soul above myself. When would my soul attain to that object of its search, which is above my soul, if my soul were not to pour itself out above itself? For were it to rest in itself, it would not see anything else beyond itself, and in seeing itself would not, for all that, see God. Let then my insulting enemies now say, Where is thy God? I let them say it. I, so long as I do not see, so long as my happiness is postponed, make my tears my bread day and night. Let them still say, Where is thy God? I seek my God in every corporal nature, terrestrial or celestial, and find him not. I seek his substance in my own soul, and I find it not. Yet still I have thought on these things, and wishing to see the invisible things of my God, being understood by the things made, I have poured forth my soul above myself, 
and there remains no longer any being for me to attain to save my god for it is there is the house of my god his dwelling place is above my soul from thence he beholds me from thence he created me from thence he directs me and provides for me from thence he appeals to me and calls me and directs me leads me in the way and to the end of my way for he who has his own house very high and secret place hath even on earth a tabernacle his tabernacle on earth is the church which is yet on her pilgrimage but it is here that he is to be sought for it is in the tabernacle that we find the way by which we arrive at the house for when i was pouring out my soul above myself in order to reach my god why did i so do for i will go into the place of thy tabernacle for i should be in error were i to seek for my god without the place of his tabernacle for i will go into the place of thy wonderful tabernacle even unto the house of god i will go he says into the place of the wonderful tabernacle even unto the house of god for there are already many things that i admire in the tabernacle see how great wonders i admire in the tabernacle for god's tabernacle on earth is the faithful i admire in them the obedience of even their bodily members that in them sin does not reign so that they should obey its lusts neither do they yield their members instruments of unrighteousness unto sin but unto the living god in good works i admire the sight of the bodily members warring in the service of the soul that serves god i contemplate the soul itself obeying god scrupulously measuring the works of its free agency restraining its passions dispelling ignorance putting forth its energies in enduring everything laborious and painful extending justice and charity to others i admire also the presence of those virtues in the soul but i am walking in the place of the tabernacle still i leave even these behind and wonderful though the tabernacle be yet when i come to the house of god i am even struck dumb with astonishment of that house he speaks in another psalm after he had put a certain abstruse and difficult question to himself viz why it is that it generally goes well with the wicked on earth and ill with the good saying i thought to know this it is too painful for me until i go into the sanctuary of god and understand of the last things for it is there in the sanctuary of god in the house of god is the fountain of understanding there he understood of the last things and solved the question concerning the prosperity of the unrighteous and the sufferings of the righteous how does he solve it why that the wicked when reprieved here are reserved for punishments without end and the good when they suffer here are being tried in order that they may in the end obtain the inheritance and it was in the sanctuary of god that he understood this and understood of the last things it was going up to the tabernacle that he arrived at the house of god yet it was thus that whilst admiring the members of the tabernacle he was led on even to the house of god by following the leadings of a certain delight a certain inward spiritual joy when there came from the house of god a sweet sound as from some instrument and he whilst walking in the tabernacle having caught a certain sound of spiritual music led on by its sweetness and following the guidance of the sound abstracting his attention from all noise of flesh and blood made his way on even to the house of god for he tells us of his progress and of his guidance thither as if we had been saying you are admiring the tabernacle here on earth how came you to the sanctuary of the house of god he says in the voice of joy and praise the sound of keeping holiday here when men keep festivals simply for their own indulgence it is their custom to place musical instruments or to station a chorus of singers before their houses or any kind of music that serves and allures the wantonness and when these are heard what do the passers-by say what is going on here and we are told in answer that it is some festival it is a birthday that is being celebrated say they there is a marriage here that those songs may not appear out of place 
but the luxurious indulgence may be excused by the festive occasion in the house of god there is a never-ending festival for there it is not an occasion celebrated once and then to pass away the angelic choir makes an eternal holiday the presence of god's face joy that never fails this is a holiday of such a kind as neither to be opened by any dawn nor terminated by any evening from that everlasting perpetual festivity a certain sweet and melodious strain strikes the ears of the heart provided only the world do not drown the sounds as he walks in this tabernacle and contemplates god's wonderful works for the redemption of the faithful the sound of the festivity charms his ears and bears the heart away to the water brooks end of psalm forty two part one